Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Alt here with another episode of the Clovis Culture Podcast. My guest today is Marty Kendall, the mastermind behind Optimizing Nutrition, a service that helps people optimize their nutrient density intake rather than focusing on things like calories and macronutrients. Now, if you've been consuming Clovis content for any length of time, you know that I have just been screaming nutrient density from the rooftops for the last two years since I started this podcast. It's why I'm such a big fan of things like organ meats and why I have actually optimized the entire Clovis approved foods list for nutrient density. And as you'll hear, Marty and I get into in this episode, surprise, surprise, the most nutrient-dense foods on planet Earth also appear to be the most species-appropriate foods. That's right. You knew I was going to drop the species-appropriate diet term into this podcast after last week's uh, 100th anniversary episode of my Ask Me Anything uh, series that was AMA 100 called Food Is Not bad for you. And that is something that Marty and I talk about right out of the gate in this episode, just this idea that when you get trapped in the calories in, calories out model, you just get this really nasty belief that food is bad for you, that you just need to eat less food to be healthy. And that's just kind of crazy because nutrients are literally required for every single function in every single cell in the human body. Just a little bit important, don't you think? But the most beautiful thing about Marty's work is that it allows us to remove the basically religious level dogma surrounding these diets. You guys always hear me kind of screaming about the different nutrition camps and how everyone thinks their one approach is the only way to proper human health and it's just ridiculous. Um, so this conversation is really a breath of fresh air because there is no dogma in it. And I, you'll even hear me try to interject a bit of my own dogma in terms of uh, paleo and a high protein diet, which the Clovis diet is considered high protein by mainstream standards. Although by the standards of guys like Marty and myself, it's really just an adequate protein diet. That said, just taking the approach of optimizing for nutrient density allows you to use Marty's information within whatever nutritional guideline you follow. I mean, literally anything. You could be vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, paleo, keto, carnivore, or any combination of all of those things and still optimize for nutrient density. So you can just go through his lists of the most nutrient-dense foods and, you know, circle the ones that you like, cross out the ones you don't like or you refuse to eat, and still just optimize your diet for maximum nutrient density. It basically allows you to create the healthiest or the most nutrient-dense version of any diet on planet Earth which is a beautiful thing. Marty's websites are just a treasure trove of free information. He is constantly putting out really, really valuable content. I mean, he has all these free downloadable nutrient density PDFs for everything you can think of from fat loss to muscle gain to paleo to keto to vegetarian and everything in between. As you'll hear him mention in the podcast, he has over a dozen cookbooks that he's released now, and these are just super in-depth, incredible cookbooks that optimize for nutrient density. So you'll definitely want to check out all of Marty's work, and I have included all of it in the show notes for you at clovis.show slash Marty, clovis.show slash M-A-R-T-Y. And Marty's websites are Optimizing Nutrition and nutrientoptimizer.com. So optimizingnutrition.com and nutrientoptimizer.com. Now, given that most of my audience is in America, I do want to let you guys know that he uses the British spelling of the words optimizing and optimizer. So optimizing is spelled with an S and optimizer is also spelled with an S when you are typing in those websites. If that's too confusing for you, just go to clovis.show slash Marty and I will have all the show notes for you. Now get your notebooks ready and dive into this one because there is a ton of valuable information in this episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. I know that leaving a podcast review can be quite tricky, so I have made this as easy as possible for you. All you have to do is visit ratethispodcast.com slash Clovis. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash Clovis. 
I've also included this link in the show notes, so you can just click that link and it will show you a list of podcast platforms. Select your favorite podcast platform and you will see step-by-step on-screen instructions for exactly how to leave a podcast review. Each and every review counts. It really, really helps and it truly means the world to me. Thank you. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis and I am in the business of changing people's lives for the better. I am a certified nutritional therapist and I have helped over 1,000 people just like you transform their health and wellness. And I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the exclusive members-only content that Clovis has to offer. Just visit IamClovis.com slash start. I-A-M-C-L-O-V-I-S dot com slash start start. You will find videos of yours truly and you will find some incredible transformation stories from real life Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the incredible stories that these brave individuals have to tell. Stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in eight weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 19 pounds in 21 days, 100 pounds in six months, you name it, I have a client who has done it. And you can too. Check out IamClovis.com slash start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I am offering you a very special deal on the Perfect Paleo Powder. 30% off your first purchase. In fact, that 30% discount will be applied to your entire cart for your first purchase at IamClovis.com. Head over to IamClovis.com, check out the Perfect Paleo Powder and all the other products that I have available, and you will get 30% off your first purchase. Just use promo code PERFECTPODCAST, all one word, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Perfect podcast, all one word. Apply this discount code at checkout and you will receive 30% off your entire first order. Just visit IamClovis.com to grab this special deal. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Justin Nall here with another episode of the Clovis Culture Podcast. I am joined today by Marty Kendall of Optimizing Nutrition, and we are going to dig into all things nutrient density, macronutrients, plant toxins, regenerative agriculture, <laughs> and everything in between. So uh, what's up, Marty? Welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here, mate. Great to meet you. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you doing this. And I, I want to just start by giving people a little bit of a backstory on, on how you got into this, because... I actually see this kind of trend happening in the nutrition space of like engineers becoming these like really good resources for nutrition data, just with like a gift for analyzing data. So how did you go from, from that career into what you're doing now, which is really guiding people on, on nutrients? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. My wife, Monica is type one diabetic. And I suppose personally, I've always struggled with trying to maintain a healthy weight and, you know, all the things that go with that. So um, as we we started to have kids and just trying to understand the things that raise her blood sugars and her insulin and trying to control that. It, it's a very um, uh, you know, all the risks of of a diabetic pregnancy are really high. So it's really motivating to try and learn to understand that. And then living with her just on a day to day basis, seeing her blood sugars and the things that affected her blood sugars, um, led me to try and understand that better and try to quantify that as an engineer to say, hey, what foods would help her to keep her blood sugar stable? So I came across the insulin index and dove into that and sort of shared that and quantified it. But then I found that really there's a point that to, to stabilize insulin, you end up with a very low fat, low protein, a uh, high fat, low carb, low protein diet. And then that's quite nutrient poor. So you know, um, uh, Matt Lalonde did some amazing work a while back on nutrient density, and I watched that, and that blew my mind. So, um, with Rob Wolf in my headphones all the time, and those influences, I thought, hey, hey, can we, how can we smash this together to quantify things to say, how do we stabilize, you know, insulin and blood sugars with nutrient density, and then later on satiety to say, how do we, how do we actually make sure we control the amount we eat with the food we eat and that, that makes us feel full and satiated. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I love that you came at it from, from the, the insulin and kind of blood glucose framework. And it's, it's so funny when we remove 
dogma and just get into that hard data, yeah. what really comes out on the other end. So from my understanding of optimizing nutrition, you can tell me if this is, this is right or wrong. It really allows people to kind of design an optimal diet, yeah. no matter what their personal preferences are, because you're just using nutrient density as the primary metric, correct? Yeah. Nutrient density is very much central. And then if you've got diabetes, trying to manage your insulin levels, you can dial that in. If you're trying to you know, need a lot more energy to gain weight or be very active, you can dial up your energy. If you're trying to lose weight, you can dial up satiety and sort of find that optimal diet that suits you. And like you've sort of indicated, there's so much dogma and belief and you know conflict of interest and bias out there in nutrition and what we should eat. And um, we just want to separate that and go into like we call it agnostic nutrition to say, you know, what do you want? What are, what are your goals and what foods provide the nutrients that you need to achieve those goals? And, uh, you know, we don't really care whether you go more plant-based or more animal-based or whatever spectrum you prefer to sit on that. But let's teach you how to, you know, guide you and enable you to find the, more, the, the most nutrients that you need from that food selection and come out of it at the end. Of, we, we talk about a a personalized optimal 30-30 where you've got 30 meals and 30 foods that you love eating all the time, you know, are a safe place that you can rely on. And if you build that personalized, optimized 30-30 that you know are going to work for you all the time, then, then you'll be pretty safe all the time. Yeah, that's I love that approach that you take too because it's it's so no nonsense and there's there's different camps for all, of all this stuff. Obviously, you know, yeah. of all the camps and everything, but there's like the food diversity piece is really big. That's something that I run into yeah. when people first make the switch from the standard American diet, they seem really confused because it, in their minds, there's no foods that they can eat because they're like, they're, they're eating a standard American diet. So it's all these processed foods mm. and virtually mm. any nutrition protocol under the sun today is going to remove those processed foods. So it becomes this thing of like, well, what can I eat? And this, this 30, 30 approach and, and, and is really cool. Food becomes Food becomes bad. Yes. Everything's bad. And uh, all of nutrition is about what you shouldn't eat and what you should stop eating and try to minimize and restrict. And really, this is a whole, you know, inverting that approach to say these are the foods that you should prioritize. And when you get nutrition, you actually, your body actually needs your reptilian instincts sort of settle down and you go, yeah, I'm happy. I, I don't need to hold all this fat that I'm preparing you know, for this famine that seems to be happening because my <laughs> diet quality is so crap, there must be a famine coming. Once you actually give your body the nutrition it needs, it settles down and your appetite works itself out and you don't you don't need all that fat anymore. So your appetite settles down and, and you lose all the weight. Sure, sure. And it is, you know, I came into this world of nutrition uh, by accident as a professional mm. musician. And um, <laughs> for me, it started the same way. It was it was Chris Kresser and Rob Wolf and and Paleo. And what I, what I think is cool about this, obviously, it's a little, you know, <laughs> a little bit of like, a, like supports my biases, I guess. But when I really look at your charge, because I've dug in deep to, to optimize nutrition and everything, it really becomes this thing of like the most nutrient dense foods seem to be these ancestral foods. Yeah. And the most nutrient poor foods seem to be these highly processed foods. So it's, it's kind of paleo-ish, no? Yeah, totally, totally. And, and the bottom line is avoid foods that are modern processed foods that are typically currently refined grains and refined oils smashed together with a whole lot of added uh, flavors and, and preservatives to make them taste good and look good and they're colored and, you know, because they don't contain the nutrients that you actually need from them anymore. Yeah, exactly. And and I love the society, the satiety piece too, because mm. it's it's again, it gives somebody somebody an approach besides a dogmatic belief, mm. which is also what I respect so much about like Dr. Ted Naiman's work and the protein to energy ratio, the the protein leveraging hypothesis and all this. Yeah. Getting those satiety signals under control so you're not just constantly going for the fats and sugars over and over and over. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always default to those energy dense foods that are, you know help us prepare for winter. But if we can sort of go, well, these are the foods I need to prioritize most of the time, then I can um, you know, tame the, the satiety monster. Sure, and, uh, sure. Yeah, which is really powerful. And you no longer have to fight with your calorie target and try to stay under the calorie target. All these people are just saying, well, I'm eating these nutrient-dense foods, prioritizing micronutrients, and I'm just full. I can't eat anymore. And, yeah, exactly. You know, I track my calories and it's really low, but that's not my focus. My focus is on prioritizing the micronutrients that are harder to get. That's so, okay. So I, I didn't know if I want to go down this rabbit hole, but I, I will. <laughs> I, I, want, I want to get your take on, on something real quick while we, while we, before I lose yep. track of the nutrient density and everything. But 
just what have you seen? If you could just give like a basic rundown of like, if you get your, your maximum nutrient density list, like what do some of those top foods look like? And what do some of those bottom foods look like just for someone totally new to this? Yeah. I suppose something like a donut or a croissant is sort of at that bottom end. It's that refined grains with refined oils and typically comes with the colors and flavors that, you know, make up for the lack of actual nutrients that your body seeks out. So they have to fake it to, to trick your body into thinking it's amazing, but it's not. But at the other end, you've got the, the organ meats that you talk about a lot and the seafood and then, you know, non-starchy green leafy veggies also provide a lot of, minerals that are typically harder to get i know you know then there's bioavailability and everything else but you know that it gets very complex and and really just getting those foods that contain the nutrients and then your body works out what to do with the rest and uh yeah that's great yeah and i definitely want to dig into the bioavailability and stuff because that's really important to me because i'm still you know i tell people all the time clovis is literally just me sharing my journey i don't pretend to be an expert in any of this stuff you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I want to pick your brain on this now, just because you brought it up is this calorie piece. So Rob, Rob has become a good buddy of mine. And I, I probably ask him too many questions, <laughs> but this calorie thing, man, I mean, I think myself, like many others in this space at this point, I just want to put this thing to bed. I cannot understand <laughs> this focus on calorie counting. It's, it's so yeah. archaic and short-sighted. And I know like the, the evidence-based people of the world, like I've been targeted yep. by some of these people yep. that call me yep. a quack or whatever. Yep. It, it, as soon as you say calories don't matter, you can get laughed out of the space. And I understand that, but I really only think it's a meaningful metric for total body weight, mm. which I think is a poor marker of health unless mm. you're significantly overweight or significantly mm. underweight. So I try to explain this to people and I want to get your take on this because you under you understand nutrients so deeply. Yeah. So let's just say, I want to see what you think would happen here. Like if, if, if I put somebody at what would be a caloric surplus for just about any average person? Let's say 2,500 calories yep. of, you know, strawberry Pop-Tarts and then another person on 2,500 calories of grass-fed ribeye. Yeah. They could both technically gain overall body weight. The composition of that gain would be drastically different. And yeah, the Pop-Tart totally. person would probably see significant metabolic dysfunction while the ribeye person would probably see no metabolic dysfunction. Well, they're probably going to gain lean muscle mass and lose body fat because of the protein bioavailability, which is really critical to this piece, I think, as well. Exactly. So it, I feel the same way you do. And I've done a ton of experimentation on myself. Like I once I put on 12 pounds of muscle in six weeks once just to show that I could, you know, so I've done a lot of this biohacking stuff myself. But I, I just don't understand how any of this evidence based mainstream approach can still approach can still preach the calories thing. So how do you mm. approach total caloric intake like i know that you put i love that you do this by the way that you put people in like 40 percent, 50 percent protein in their diet because it makes this drastic caloric deficit which yep. is going to lead to, to fat loss if that is the goal yep. how do you yep. approach total calories or do you even think about it at all um <laughs> complex com topic but um i suppose on on the protein satiety we did do a lot of analysis with um taken half a million days of my fitness pal data and sixty thousand days of chronometer data which just got all the micronutrient info in it and what we found is that as people get a higher percentage of protein their appetite settles down so as they get up to 30 40 50 percent protein which is really hard to exceed um their appetite just smashes and they can't eat anymore and i think trying to get to even more than that is really impractical because people say oh you know i ate all this protein and got up to 60 percent protein i was still really hungry and it's like yeah that's because you're eating 60 percent less calories because it's so satiating and you can't get so many calories in so that protein is the most important and powerful factor in the whole picture to get your protein percentage up and ideally bioavailable protein because you know the plant-based protein is definitely less a um you know you have to eat more calories to get the same grams of protein but it's also less bioavailable so ideally you know the, the, the egg whites and the cod and and all those sorts of things are going to give you a, a higher amount of protein per calorie and bioavailability but then the second part of that is that all the micronutrients um, are, are so critical in actually enabling you to for your cells to use that energy, your, your, your niacin, your, your B1, um, your B12 are all critical to enable your cells to use that energy to burn the carbohydrates, to burn the fat. 
So if you're not empowering your mitochondria to burn that energy, you're going to feel sluggish and you're going to get this backup of energy that you're not able to burn. So conceivably, if you're eating a micronutrient-dense diet, you're going to be burning a lot more energy. I don't think there's a lot of studies to prove that, but anecdotally in all the nutrient density masterclasses and challenges that we've done, as people dial up their micronutrient density and focus on that, they just say, well, I'm not, not hungry anymore. I can't eat all these calories. So it's not the calories don't matter at all, but once you focus on um, getting the micronutrients you need, including the amino acids, they become irrelevant in a way. So it, it's a much more useful um, way to think of food, I think, rather than trying to limit how much you eat continually. And, and, and when you do that, you get to a point where if you don't, especially if you don't have the micronutrients you need, your, your metabolic rate slows and you feel tired and you feel sluggish and you're not sleeping anymore and you're just craving food like nothing else. And, and yeah. it's not sustainable and eventually going to rebound. But if you focus on giving your body what you need, um, the, the amino acids, the vitamins, the minerals, the essential fatty acids, um, we've seen in our analysis as, as they prioritize the micronutrients per calorie amount, um, calories are, are still a relevant measure sometimes, but um, as they prioritize the nutrient density, the appetite switches off and uh, they be counting calories becomes irrelevant. And they can then use all that body fat on their body to, to, to use for fuel. Yeah, it's amazing too, because I find with, with the high protein diet, what you're talking about is this kind of the metabolic rate, either being kept where it is, or even going a little bit higher, we see the same thing happen with fasting. If you just do water fasting, mm -hmm. you know, that basal metabolic rate is held up there versus a chronic caloric deficit, something like the biggest loser study, yeah. where you just crush that basal metabolic rate. And what might be interesting to chime in here is, is a lot of people ask me questions because I do nutrition for professional MMA fighters Wow. and oh. weight cuts are incredibly dangerous and very, very unhealthy. And, um, it kind of shocks female fighters that I'm able to get them down to very, very low, um, body fat percentages, very, very low body weight. And they still keep mm. their, their cycle. They still get their period, which is yeah. kind of unheard yeah. of in the sport. And it's, it's basically mm. like a week out from a fight. We're talking about like a protein sparing modified fast, which is kind of very mm. close to mm. what you're describing here for, for weight loss, you know? Yeah. I think everything that works for weight loss is on that spectrum, like the protein sparing modified fast, the extreme version, but the average American Australian is eating 12% of their energy from protein, which is pretty much minimizing satiety. So you, you don't want to go from 12 to 60% of your of your calories from protein. But as you creep up that scale incrementally, I think you, you get benefit in terms of satiety. And really, as Ted says, you just need to keep dialing up that protein to energy ratio to get the results you need. Absolutely. And find that sweet spot that works for you. And the other thing that's important to, to factor in there is your thermic effect of protein is 25%. So to actually convert the energy, the calories in, in, in protein to ATP is going to, you've got 25% wastage. So you get hot and you, you drink a lot of water and you know, <laughs> there's really no downsides other than the massive satiety and, and probably the lean muscle mass you're going to build as you've got enough protein to feed your lean muscle mass and then you can use your, your own body fat for, 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 for fuel. But um, yeah, protein definitely the strongest satiety factor, but then all the other micronutrients also play a role as well. And it's been fascinating to quantify those and, and be have access to this data that enables us to understand the the individual effects of all those different micronutrients. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. And and, and digging into your work recently, um, I bought some asparagus today, which I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you! I know, right? <laughs> what will Paul say? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny, man, because I went from you know paleo, which was like my first version of paleo was like all bananas and sweet potatoes. I'm like, I love these, you know, I was doing CrossFit at the time, like the kind of the typical story. Yep. And then coming around to this thing where I was all of a sudden I was keto, like probably 20% protein and just eating a pound of broccoli a day. Mm. And then mm. I met Paul and Paul came on the podcast and he kind of blew my mind and we became friends. And I tried this carnivore thing. And, um, but then in blood work with guys like Dr. Anthony J, I do this lean mass hyper responder thing makes me nervous. Now I started looking at your nutrient density stuff and it's, so I really want to dig into this piece about plant toxins because 
I have a lot of carnivore friends. I love them. <laughs> They're great people. But it's becoming a little vegan-ish yep. where it's like, you know, the vegans are like, any meat will kill you. And the carnivores are now all of a sudden like, you know, if you have a piece of 95% dark chocolate, you're going to die from oxalates. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. So where do you fall in this, this plant toxin subject? Um. I think there's a limit to how much spinach you can have. Like you sit down and try sure. to chew through 200 grams of spinach, you're going to be off to the toilet and uh, <laughs> yeah. and that's going to be a challenge. And some people struggle with oxalates because particularly if they're metabolically messed up already and on a nutrient-poor diet and not getting enough um, minerals overall, your calcium, magnesium, B6 all help you process the oxalates. And most of the oxalates are generated internally. They're endogenously produced. So it's not necessarily from your food. So it's probably a a metabolic dysregulation issue that you've got that's producing those from a whatever your nutrient poor diet was from before but i mean if you're at that point and hold a spinach and like everybody goes keto on the spinach and the almond flour and almond flour is a magic replacement for for every junk food you had before so all of a sudden you're making uh these keto comfort foods full of almond flour and yeah i mean that that's an extreme imbalanced diet that you're going to have a challenge with and it's probably no wonder people find themselves struggling with that extreme version of a, of a keto diet but i think if you're getting a, a well-balanced well-rounded nutrient-dense diet where you're saying hey which nutrients am i currently not getting enough of i'll chase them and you're not really you know binging on one particular food again and again and again you're getting a well-rounded diet i, I just don't see people um struggling that much in the real world most of the time and, and there's definitely these concentrated carnival communities of the, the thousand people in the world who all had this amazing problem with oxalates and stopping spinach changed their life and, and they all believe very fervently that that's the only solution but at the same time you've got the other group of a thousand people or 20,000 people ve vegans that are thriving at the other end of the spectrum so you know and that's been my conundrum of you know dipping into all these different little subculture groups online you see all these people are thriving as long as they avoid the nutrient poor hyperpalatal processed foods through a combination of refined seed oils and sugars and refined grains you know that, that that's the common sure. denominator of all diets that work and if they're eating real food then and a variety of real food they're probably not going to really struggle that much um so i think to some degree they're overblown and and you know some hormetic stress is beneficial but you know there's such little actual data um that you can't make a real concrete ruling on it and and, and when it comes to quantifying nutrient density it, it there's really not enough information to say you know your bioavailability is going to be affected by 50 percent of your magnesium if you eat it from spinach versus bok choy or kale or whatever and it's, it gets really complex really quickly and I think people can get too concerned about that. But if they just focus on a, a well-rounded nutrient-dense diet and if that food doesn't work for them, they you know they don't feel good, they don't enjoy it, they get digestive issues and, and don't eat it and find some others that work for you, whether that be liver or you know kale or whatever your choice may be. Um, but... Uh, a nutrient-dense diet is, is often really that the calories and the protein really revolve around the the, the seafood and, and the animal-based foods and and then the, you just sort of pick your micronutrients from the other plant-based foods if that be your thing and where you sit on that scale is really up to you to find that 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 sweet spot that works for you and your beliefs and your biases and your gut and everything else that works so yeah i, I just don't think we can be prescriptive to say that this is the only way for everybody or the optimal way for everybody. You can just say, you know, you need nutrients wherever your preferences and culture and finances lie. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm such a big believer in the culture part of this where it's like, I don't want to go out, you know, to a celebratory dinner with my family and be like, I can't have a bite of that salad or I can't have a sip of that dry red wine. It's like, I'm not talking about eating the loaf of bread. It's like, all of a sudden I can't have dark chocolate or I can't have a sip of wine and like with, while I'm out with friends and family. I mean, I think that's mm. detrimental to overall health as well. And it's, it's, it's like you said, I mean, like look at something like the, like Terry walls, like the walls protocol where it's like, mm. 
There's mm. this, this whole meat heals movement. And then there's her approach where she's like, you need to eat like 14 different vegetables a day, like eat like two pounds of veggies. And she cured herself as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, from an autoimmune condition. That, that yeah, is, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just mm. so interesting. And it's, it's, it's nuanced. It's always, always, that's what I love about Rob too. He's just like, Oh, we got nuance here and nobody likes to do it. You know? <laughs> but another thing you touched on that I think is really big. Um, I think you said you had listened to the, the last podcast I did was about this. A lot of people struggling where they're getting these, I give people macronutrients. I give them like custom macros when they get planned for me. And there are particularly women that have this real a, a, aversion to red meat. And like we're talking about here, whether it's, whether it's the protein leveraging hypothesis or whether you're maximizing for nutrient density, it's going to be these animal proteins that are like the most nutrient dense, whether it's organs or red meat or seafood, like you said. Yep. And, and what'll happen is to fill out that fat macronutrient, and this is what a lot of keto people run into. They're like, well, I just have to eat more fat than I'm used to. So it becomes all MCT oil and grass-fed butter and almond butter or almond milk or whatever. They're just, yep. it's all, it's still highly processed foods yeah. rather than if they got their fats from say, again, like a, like a grass-fed ribeye, getting mm. fats from mm. that's going to be a, a big difference. So do, what, what do you see in terms of this fat intake and everything? Like, are you seeing real problems with the, these keto snacks and everything? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of uh, magic true believers in the keto camp as well, which is, you know, I've spent a lot of my headspace in that and trying to get them, get my head around it initially thought, you know, if it's low insulin, if there's no insulin from, if it doesn't raise insulin, it, it, you can't store fat. And, you know, last five years we've all been through a journey of, of learning that that, may not be true and really your body just uh it releases enough insulin to hold back the energy stores in your body while you're feeding your face with with all this other food but um macronutrients i think are really important as a starting point and once you like we're running a master class at the moment um and, and the first four weeks are actually focused on macronutrients because people understand it and let's get your protein dialed in and then let's get your carbohydrate tolerance to the point that your blood sugars are stable, not so low that you're super keto, but you know, um, stable blood sugars are important. And then dialing your fat back in keto games talk about fat as a lever. So if you need more fat to supply energy, it's a great way to get energy to, to bulk up and, and support a lot of activity. But if you need to lose weight, if that's your goal, then you need your, your micronutrients, which includes your amino acids from protein. And uh, and you can use your body fat, not your dietary fat, for fuel to, to lose fat. So I think that's useful to, to get that dialed in. But once you're in that sweet spot um, with macronutrients, then I think it's ideal to, to, to start focusing on micronutrients. And from there people can really start adding in those nutrient-dense foods. And they, I think then they need to start to forget about macronutrients and calories and just focus on micronutrient density. And then they don't really need to worry about what we talked about before, focusing on um, those, you know, the calories and calorie tracking, because if they're chasing the micronutrients, they're not going to have to worry about satiety or tracking calories or over-binging on you know, liver, broccoli, asparagus that you yeah. just bought. You know, imagine sitting down to asparagus and broccoli and go, oh, shit, I ate too much. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to feel like crap tomorrow. I, you know, yeah. just blew my 3,000 calorie budget. You yeah. just not <laughs> right, right. touch it. Well, and I try to get people to understand that too, is like the, the goal for this is eventually we're going to get you to a place where you don't have to track macronutrients and don't have to track calories. It's like mm. Rob and I had a conversation about this when he was on the podcast where we compared it to finances. Mm. It's like if your finances are in shambles and you got a ton of credit card debt, we have to track things in the beginning yep. until we get a handle on this. And then you kind of graduate from that. But um, another question I wanted to ask you while we're, we're talking about plant toxins is I noticed that there's a there's a particularly strong focus on seafood yep. um, within optimizing nutrition, very nutrient dense, particularly like I have canned oysters here that are that are wonderful. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, 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 but my question is, there's also a lot of concern among kind of all the camps of these heavy metal toxins and things like this and seafood. Do you do you have any advice for kind of navigating that or avoiding that? Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, don't eat the largest top of the food chain. Uh, you know, like things like mackerel or sardines or the smaller fish are often better um, sure. by the highest quality you can. And again, don't just eat one thing all the time. Yes. Um, yeah. And depending what you read, the concern about mercury toxicity. And, and, and again, if you've got enough 
nutrient is, but if you've got enough a certain nutrient, it'll help you clean. Uh, I think it's selenium. If you've got enough selenium in your diet, which you get from these fish, you're going to um, be able to process any mercury a whole lot better. So, Sure. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So don't just eat the one food all the time. Eat a variety, well-rounded, balanced diet. And that's where, like if you've seen those micronutrient fingerprint charts, it looks at the the nutrients you're getting heaps of versus the, at the top, the nutrients you're getting not enough of. And if you just keep chasing those ones you're not getting enough of, um, you're going to continually cycle and get a, a nutritious diet that's varied and not, you don't get into a rut where you're eating too many oxalates from your almonds and spinach or too much mercury from your, your tuna or shark or whale yeah, or yeah. you decide to eat. So yeah, I think a varied diet is going to give you the best chance. Sure. I, I like that too, because it's a very, it's a very holistic approach that you're describing here because like I'm big on when people first make the switch from standard American to a low carb diet, we have to supplement electrolytes and sure enough, these electrolytes also help you process things like oxalates totally. or let's say you snack on, you know, three or four Brazil nuts a day and get a boatload of selenium. Well, that yeah. might help you with your issues from eating wild caught salmon or whatever, you know, so yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. love this yeah, yeah, totally. approach. Totally. Uh, and all those micronutrients are synergistic, so you can't just say, I'm going to take this single micronutrient in a bottle because they all come together in, especially in, in whole food, in the, in the ratios and the amounts that your body knows what to do with. Your, your gut doesn't just, you know, oh, I've got this bolus of B3 and I'm going to eat this nice and flush. You get a nice, balanced, rounded amount of nutrients that your body knows what to do with and digests at the appropriate rate. And, yeah, so... Yeah, I've been trying to teach people that concept too of like these these really concentrated supplements and extracts or something like mm. even like MCT oil. It's like this really concentrated extract. These are hyper physiological doses of these yeah, things yeah. that you would just yeah, never yeah. get in nature. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. So, I and um, I, I mean, with the satiety aspect of this nerdy detailed article breaking it right down and really protein is satiating, but I think what's most pro, uh, satiating about protein is is the uh you know, the thermic effect of the food you're eating and the more processed like if you're you're binging on um refined flours or supplements or whatever that they they can be good and beneficial to get your protein but the unrefined whole food is always going to have a, a higher thermic effect that's going to be more satiating so the more refined and pre-digested food is the the less satiating it's going to be and the easier it's going to be to overeat and the more your body's going to say, you know, winter must be coming, let's give me more of that and I'll, yeah. my appetite ramps up. So, yeah, you, you, I, I think as you said in the last podcast, 99.999% of your food should be whole unprocessed foods and not relying on supplements. And if you if you track your food for a bit and go, oh, there's all these micronutrients I'm not getting enough of, sure, you, maybe you can supplement to meet the recommended daily intake to prevent deficiency but let's keep chasing those nutrients with foods that actually provide those nutrients yeah yeah absolutely i love it yeah the holistic approach is just it's it just as close as we can get to nature as possible which is also why i love um what really what really kicked off this conversation that i want to dig into too is i want to give people a little bit of background that um i learned about you first from diana rogers i knew that that i knew that rob was into your work as well i just hadn't been hadn't got like that direct reference um so obviously my listeners know that i am i am backing financially at least backing the sacred cow project with diana and rob and then man i'm in your optimizing uh, nutrition facebook group and you drop this article uh, about uh, being a regenitarian. <laughs> and man, I was like, I have to get this guy on the podcast, period. Like, I love the nutrient <laughs> density work, but I really want to dig into this. And so I want to understand your story on this. Like, what got you so motivated to write? I mean, this is a big, oh, wow. in-depth article. You put a lot of sources, a lot of videos are embedded in it. It's really wonderful. And I'll share it in the show notes. But what was really kind of the, the completely that, did my head in preparing it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what sent you over the edge? You were like, I gotta write this thing. Oh, what what made me so angry? Um, yeah, the the, uh, the article starts out with the story of you know, um, you know, I was taking the bus to work, and all of a sudden, every day there's these three hour bus delays because 
people are super gluing themselves to the road in Brisbane to shut down the streets or they've one day they they planted a boat in the middle of one of the most busy intersections just you know basically gridlocked the entire city to to raise awareness um extinction revolution and uh, yeah extinction revolution they're trying to raise awareness so they could get a seat in the British Parliament to to speak on um environmental issues and uh, and one lunchtime I went and checked them out and followed the little protest march with their coffins around the city and then went and YouTubed them and Googled and it's like, well, what, what's their issue? What's their solution? I suppose everybody knows and Greta Thunberg is massively popular and um, the, the more I looked, it's like, okay, there's a problem population is exploding, we're using more resources, you know, the more we extrapolate that, the, the, the worse it gets. But what's the solution? What's the practical take-home solution? And when you look at what they're talking about, it's, you know, fly drones through Heathrow Airport to stop every, everybody flying and we just should stop stop everything. And it's like, well, is that really a practical solution? And I suppose mm-hmm. I tried to say, well, from my framework, how do we get here Um you know, where are we going and, you know, what are the steps that got us to this point and how could we dial those things in and, and tweak those knobs to the point that we could turn things around, um, not go back in time, but maybe, you know, re-engineer our trajectory to the point that we can have a more sustainable future that, that's good for us and good at the same time. And I think that's what a lot of these groups seem to come up with is, you know, humans are bad for the planet and where does that leave humans if we're gonna love the planet and it's just it's a really 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 incredible probably the most challenging topic that we've got in our society today sure um but i think we need to be ingenious to come up with solutions for the future to 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 do it yeah yeah yeah. and i think it's it's like we talked about this holistic approach to nutrition as well it's it seems to be i mean the the really there's a, one of my favorite books um is actually by um christopher ryan it's called civilized to death right and it's this great concept of just the further we get away from nature and our ecosystems the worse they get and of course humans have been terrible at that with mm. advances in fossil fuels and you did a great job by the way for the listeners of outlining exactly how we got to this level of population growth and all these things. Yeah. But yeah, the, the answer seems to be, I mean, just making humans part of nature. It's not removing them from the equation. We live in harmony in ecosystems with plants and animals. And that's, that's what I love about what you did in this article. There's one quote I actually wrote here because I loved it so much. It just said, um, I am astounded <laughs> and frustrated at how often the nutritional conversation goes no further than eating animals versus eating plants. We need to find ways to do both animal and plant-based agriculture that will regenerate the planet and our bodies. I mean, that's it, man. This is such a great quote. Beautiful. <laughs> you know? So I'm I'm hoping that we can we can use this regenerative agriculture thing to unite everybody. It's it's even it's I, I find that people aren't aren't putting the puzzle pieces together. Like Paul Stamets from Host Events, the mushroom expert, was on Joe Rogan's podcast recently, and he was talking about the mass extinction of bees. And I think a lot of people don't understand that one of the primary factors of that extinction of bees is monocropping, right? So we have this whole system where we're saying, okay, it's not a matter of I want to eat animals and that means you can't have any crops. It's like, no, my animals will help your crops and your crops will help my animals. We just need to be willing to. It's a symbiotic system. Yes, exactly. And everybody wins. It's a a complex symbiotic system. And I suppose the the story I wanted to tell is, is not just that, you know, we need animals as part of our agriculture i think you know we've we've optimized every massive revolution in technology from stone tools that professor um uh, talks about and and going from you know all the different innovations in technology um fire etc etc to the point that we developed agriculture and then injected fossil fuels from methane into the ground into I was blown away when I saw how much methane radically the the ability to harness the power of methane and put it into synthetic fertilizers just completely injected a step change in our availability of food which has fueled the obesity epidemic over the last 50 years um, has really changed and it's like well Greta Thunberg talks about keeping the oil in the ground you know what if we manages the amount of um, methane we extracted from the soil, the, the, the earth, to the point that we could 
not just keep on fueling humanity, um, our, our, our population size and individual size with energy dense, nutrient poor food. I mean, what would that do? And, th and then to sort of turn back the clock a little bit, but to optimize at the same time to kind of use animals to, to, to feed the microbiome of the soil, which feeds our microbiome and ensures nutrient density. And I mean, from that, we've, we started a garden out the back with this amazing nutrient dense soil that we got and everything's just thriving and growing and uh, inspired by neighbors who did the same thing a, a few months back and the food just tastes so much better when you grow it in this really amazing soil that's got all the manure in it and it's just an amazingly different experience to for you know mass produced food wow. that we all eat all the time so yeah it's it's, it's exciting and but and it's really important because our, yeah, our topsoil is just dwindling and we can't keep doing that. But the quality yeah. and quantity of the topsoil is, is uh, going to screw us over eventually. So Yeah, yeah it, I like that you outlined in the article too. You were even talking about the as long as the soil nutrient, it keeps depleting, depleting, depleting. Even the animals that we're eating are going to give us less micronutrients because yes. they're not getting the same from their Totally, food. totally. You know, totally. that's really scary. <laughs> yeah, and any animal that's wild and uh, we're able to get kangaroo here that is a, in fact, it might be on a national emblem, which some people struggle with, but it's a, <laughs> it's a pest because of agriculture and they have to cull all these kangaroos, which then can be used in the food system. And they, they taste amazing and they're full of micronutrients and the protein is through the roof. And it's, you know, really helped me, I think, to, to maximize nutrient density as long as, as well as the spinach and broccoli and everything else that I eat at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. And that's why I've, I've really taken a liking to, um, I, I was just actually with Paul Saladino on a hunting trip in, in uh, Junction, oh, cool. Texas. Wow. Those, yeah, I've really been trying to, I have, you know, a couple of freezers now that are just full of deer meat that I, that I got myself, wow. you know, it's really, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, adds a whole nother level of complexity and like just I don't know, you just feel good about it. I really do, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and to to be in touch with the food you eat. It's not just this, you know, coloured thing that comes out of a box, right, or, or right. a machine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We really need to understand where our food comes from and and what it's providing us. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. So you also dug into, it looks like you did quite a bit of research on this. So I want to pick your brain on it. But the um, you talked about like the Eat Lancet Global Dietary Guidelines. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's really important for people to understand like, and, and you know, I'll come out here and say like, obviously, I'm funding Diana Rogers film on regenerative <laughs> agriculture. I'm also funding CJ Hunt's film called Dispelling the Lies, yep. which is specifically to expose vegan propaganda. So it's like, it's very clear where I fall on the spectrum. And I am funding these projects accordingly. You may have a bias. <laughs> I may have a bias. Yes. My bias is save the planet. So like I'm convinced I'm correct with some of this stuff, at least, you know, enough to put my money where my mouth is. But I also want people to understand what you pointed out. You have a beautiful little graphic mm. there of the companies that funded mm. Eat Lancet campaigns. Can you tell us a bit about what you found when you researched that? Yeah, that, that was the, the article that made me angry earlier in the year. And I just, you know, it was this amazingly slick launch of this Eat Lancet thing that, you know, the, the diet to save the planet. But um, the more you dug into it and did the analysis, it's really this nutrient poor slop. It's not this plant-based diet. You know, you talk about plant-based diet, people think green and bright and colorful. And it's really just, you know, the amount of processed foods in it is through the roof and the amount of actual vegetables and, and, and nutrient-dense whole foods in it is really low. And it just seems to be perpetuating the same processed food industry that, that's made us obese over the last 50 years. And when you look at who's funding the whole thing, it's, well, it's the same people and Harvard that's been you know putting out the same stuff for as long as they can. And they're just greenwashing it with this Eat Lancet sustainable thing. And, and um, I mean, you've you've got you've got the the religious ideologists, the Seventh Adventist Church. You've mm -hmm. got the, the the vegan people who who believe in saving uh, saving the animals, and then you've got big food really all teaming up together in this amazing alliance that's brainwashing the entire world population to to say the only way to save the planet is to not eat animals. But what are you doing to yourself? Um, what nutritional is that providing you with them, especially the, um, the bioavailability of the protein is really scary. Um, the, the, 
the amount of calories you have to eat to get that protein is really scary. The, the lack of um, omega-3, B12 particularly, as well as a whole lot of other nutrients um, is really scary. And it gets worse and worse and worse the more processed and refined that is. And, and you know, plant-based is not eating animals. It's not eating healthy vegetables. It's just not eating animals. So you right. donut, your Twinkie, everything that comes in a packet produced by the companies that sponsored this propaganda is free game and uh, yeah like wow this is um we're really being hoodwinked and everybody's falling for it and loving it and going oh you know i'll get a better erection if i just stop eating animals <laughs> and it's like no <laughs> this is such a pile of shit it is man and it just makes me angry when i can i look at the the nutritional content of what they're proposing and putting out there and it's like no this is the wrong way this will make you infertile this will make you fat and obese and crave the foods that they're they're producing more and more and more and more and um i mean at the same time we've um we've been banging out 12 recipe books focusing on initial nutrient density and then you know we've gone down into keto and um vegetarian and, and and we're actually doing a, a plant-based book believe it or not just because yeah. there's so many people out there that want plant-based but we want to say you know if you're going to do a plant-based diet for goodness sake you know if that's your ethical framework good for you you know not going to judge you if that's what you want to do if you believe that's going to save the planet full thumbs up but if you're going to do a plant-based diet here are the foods and meals that will actually give you that nutrition um, and we've also done a meat-based diet, a, 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 you know, a, a meat book that contains a lot of, you know, meat and chicken and, and beef and whatever, and also doing a, a protein, high-protein to energy ratio book, which is like pretty much the other end of the spectrum. So yeah, I suppose yeah. we're just trying to sh- demonstrate how the the nutritional optimization framework can be applied to any dogma or belief system to optimize within that framework whatever your preference or like we talked about culture or financial ability to achieve is and um yeah yeah exactly everybody needs nutrients whatever their you know belief or biases are sure sure yeah we go back to the beginning of the episode it's just it removes the dogma it removes the the kind of religious aspect of this and it's just yes how do you be the healthiest you are because they're, plant-based is such a buzzword thing that, and, and there's a mm. lot of apathy too. I mean, I got to say, there's a lot of people that are just, they switch to plant-based because it's really easy to do because you're like, oh, I, like you said, I can literally eat anything that's not meat. But this is like the beauty of, of chronometer and optimizing nutrition, your nutrient optimizer, all these things is now you have crowdsourced data. So it's like you could have you could have the data from thousands of vegans in this same location and go, you are all vastly deficient in these very key mm. nutrients like that's a big deal you actually have mm. our data now you know it's huge mm. yeah and you can say look if you're getting not enough b12 or folate then this is how it's going to affect your appetite and people who eat less folate you know you, you, the pe- people who get more folate in their diet tend to eat about 40 percent less calories which is a massive leverage wow. it's, you know protein is pretty much the only thing that gives you more leverage in terms of satiety so um, it's really hard to get to that 95th percentile folate or protein level but if you can optimize to meet the stretch targets of each of those hard to find nutrients you can have a much better chance of controlling your appetite and not having to focus on restricting and you know worrying about calories all the time which we started out talking about yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, I like, I, I first, I, I want everyone to go read your article. And like, again, it'll be in the show notes and everything, because you look at Eat Lancet, and it, it's like you just said, this, this plant-based movement, it's really, really eye-opening to just understand that the companies pushing this same plant-based movement, so I, I listed a couple of them here from your article. It's like fertilizer companies, drug companies, synthetic meat producers, insulin manufacturers, and big food companies. What do all five of those benefit from? They literally benefit from metabolic disease. It's, I mean, it's, it's totally. staggering, you know, it's, 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 it's so, yeah. and the thing is, it's not conspiracy theory. Like it's, it's here, it's in your face. It's like, this is the truth. It's good business. It's yeah, really absolutely. good business. It's really smart marketing and really smart business, but it's not ethical, but it's really good business. Right, right. And well, and that's the thing too. A lot of these corporations, I did a great podcast with this guy, Will Clyden, who owns a, a CBD company. And he was explaining that these corporations, they have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. They need to make more money. To make money. Yes. 
So it's like if they if they show we can get a 30% profit by clear cutting the Amazon rainforest, they legally have to do it. It's really scary stuff, you know? And that's that's actually really apparent. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, I was blown away by this the other day, but uh, Elon Musk's brother, I think his name is Kimball. Right. Um, he's working on regenerative agriculture now, and he oh, was really? on wow. Mark Hyman's podcast. Oh, really? You got to listen to this. He blew my mind. Cool, it's, check it out. We In America, we spend $10 billion a year in tax money just subsidizing corn one single crop and Kimball was explaining he's like yeah for about 330 million dollars so one thirtieth of what we spend on corn we could convert almost all american farms to regenerative i was like what why why wasn't this done yesterday what are we doing what are we doing and and, and what in in the how to be a regenerarian article i really sort of said you know the current food policies were set up after the war when there was you know a lack of food and there was political crisis and they needed to go well food is scarce we need to inject more calories so people don't starve and this Mm -hmm. is a real issue but when i was born in 1976 we surpassed the 3200 calories per day peak of you know i think it was 1928 um and at that point, we should have said, okay, let's stop, let's reorientate, let's wind back those subsidies, let's unwind these um, mass production, big agriculture things we've set in place. But, it was, you know, the horse had bolted and there was no yeah. way to, to unwind that. And now, 50 years later, the, the big food companies are really entrenched and, uh, you know, very much lobbying and rowdy, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert here, but uh, right. it's really hard to have unravel what we've set up. Um, yeah, other than grassroots movements of people actually living it and going, I'm doing this. I love it. It's changed my life. Tell yeah, friend. Yeah, and it absolutely is. It is a grassroots movement, and I, I try to try to explain that, particularly clients that come in that have like a massive transformation if they lose, you know, 100 pounds or 80 pounds or something like that. In their head, they're just 100 all in. They're like this is the way to live and why they, they kind of assume that everything that they know is common knowledge. Where I'm like, look, you gotta understand like 99% of people are getting their, all of their total knowledge of nutrition is coming from like the morning TV show they watch on their way out the door mm. with a cup of coffee. Mm. So it's, we mm. really, we start to live in these little vacuums and bubbles and just mm. assume everyone should know these things. And that's, mm. we're, we're, we're still a very small percent of the population, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty drastic. But so the other thing uh, uh, before we, I want to give some people some some actionable tips and everything on yep, on yep, finding yep. out more about what you do. So let's chat about um, the actual nutrient optimizer. So you have you have optimizingnutrition.com and then you have nutrient optimizer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the two sites and then a bunch of Facebook groups and Instagram and the like. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, optimizing nutrition is where I blog with a whole bunch of. 3,000 word articles where I just dump my brain and try to I love it, I suppose, put put together how I see the world and put it out there for the world to react to and then I keep on refining my thought process which has been an amazingly fun journey of made a whole pile of amazing friends and um, it's just nice to see it impacting people but then um, the nutrient optimizer is a tool that you know you can get a free report which then tells you you know target macros but also the foods and uh, meals that you probably need to focus on to get the micros you're probably not getting at the moment. But we're about to release version two of that, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of a, a, a mega tool that, you know, we, we initially designed this, you know, Swiss army knife of nutrition that we called it that probably blew people's minds a little bit too much and they didn't know where to start. But <laughs> um, we just want to get it to the point where we can take people on a journey to say, you know, okay, let's help you dial in your macros or, or your your carbs stabilize your blood sugars or let's help you dial in nutrient density. Um, and then fairly soon we're going to have it to a point with all the recipes we've been developing that we can say based on your symptoms um, and if you want to, you can log your food. These are the foods that you need to eat next week and these are the meals from a database of 500 different recipes we've got. Here's the you know 50 recipes you could focus on to to give you the nutrients that you're not getting enough of and that align with your current goal, whether it be diabetes control or weight loss, or you're an athlete or you're a bodybuilder or whatever they are. So um, that's, that's really exciting. That's probably a month away that we'll have that in place that we can sort of guide people's nutrition to, to keep them moving forward. 
Okay, very cool. And, and if I remember correctly, on Nutrient Optimizer, there's kind of like a little trial run, right? You can track your food for a week or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're setting it up so we can, uh, yeah. And then then we'll have like an email blast and an email series that can say, okay, now do this and now do that. And we're, we're running a, a six-week masterclass at the moment. We're four weeks into that. We're got an, a daily email and Facebook update and Facebook lives that sort of guide people through the process of nutritional optimization because you know just to to read it all in one blast is like whoa that was really heavy and i'm just gonna walk away now (laughs) go do something else because my mind was my brain hurts but to to step people through it and say now do this and now do this and now do this and do it in a group facebook forum where um you know other people go yeah this is my response and i'm doing this and i'm you know eating these foods and i'm eating you know i track my calories too but i'm not hungry and i'm eating so few calories and i never i I thought my metabolism was broken but i just wasn't eating enough protein and you know keto obviously wasn't the right way to go and you know i can't eat unlimited fat and it's just amazing to see this chatter that the hive mind of 150 people that really helps people take that journey forward in the community that's very cool. Yeah, your your Facebook group that I'm in too, just the that optimizing nutrition group is super super active. A lot of cool conversations. I I always, yeah. I always giggle to myself like being someone who who makes content the same way you do because I'll see like repeat like release a piece of content and there is just always going to be people that are not happy with it. <laughs> and I'm like. Uh, and I just, I want to chime in so bad and be like, how about, how about you go make something instead of like constantly nitpicking <laughs> all this free content that all of us bust our ass to put out. It's like, man, somebody's got to say something to these people. <laughs> Here's a hundred hours of my life that I put into this for free. And oh yeah. yeah. Yes. I want to be a smart ass to show you how smart I am. Exactly. Yes. That, that's, that's called social media and you go, yeah, that's it. But it's a great way to, it's, it's free. Um, Free peer review from really smart, some really smart people. Sure, which is of really course. great, great too. And I, I know you and I both. You know, we, this this work is incredibly fulfilling to us. It's like for every nitpicker, we have a transformation story that'll yeah. just bring you to tears. Oh, yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah. it's I, beautiful. I just man. love those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gives me buzz. Of course. And now your cookbooks are those are those available right now? Or are those going to be? Released? Yeah, totally, totally. They're uh, they're out and they're live. We've got twelve, and we've got another I think three in the works at the moment, which is completely insane. So um, very cool. Yeah, for, for different goals. So basically, you know, kept trying to talk about the theory of nutrition, the numbers of nutrition, nutrient density. And so we thought, screw it, we'll just put out some cookbooks that show in photos and recipes. And yeah, so we've got each book contains 33 recipes, uh, a food optimized food list, and then an index with hyperlinks to 150 additional recipes that align with that goal. So they open on the website and then every one of those recipes has got full micronutrient breakdown. So you can say, I'm going to have the, I'm going to have the you know, string beans with olive oil. And you open that recipe and you go, yeah, not a lot of nutrition in that. And you go, oh, I'm going to have the, the salmon with you know broccoli or whatever. And you open the recipe and you go, oh, wow, look at all the nutrients in that one. And wow. so I think it's really going to show people, here's the photo of the food and here's the micronutrient profile of that meal per 2,000 calories. And they'll be going, oh, okay, now I get a feel for what nutrient density actually looks like. And then they can recalibrate their eating habits. And they're not complex meals. And if you make a few of these, you'll get the hang of it and just go buy those foods and have them in the fridge and bang them together yourself. And you won't have to rely on a recipe book, but this is sort of a a trainer wheels to show people what nutrient density looks and feels like. And yeah. And then there's 12 of them. So if you lose all the weight with the high satiety fat loss version, you can, you know, change to maintenance or, you know, I want to bulk up. I'm an athlete or I'm a bodybuilder. I, I want nutrient density with enough energy, but not too much energy. You know, we've all been there. You'd start lifting heavy and you start chowing down all the energy mm-hmm. dense stuff and yep, yep. put on a whole lot of fat and, you know so i thought oh, okay, we can we can we can help those people too so yeah yeah it's been a lot of work over the last couple of months but it's it's out there and i mean i think it, it'll be something that continues to grow and um hopefully yeah we just say we want to reinvent the recipe genre so you know hopefully it'll do that oh man i mean it's the understatement of the century i'm over here laughing because uh, i have one cookbook with 20 recipes and i don't have any of the 150 (laughs) hyperlinks you're talking about so like i need (laughs) it's like your facebook group man like i need listeners to understand 
how much work this man has put into this. Like this is <laughs> you. It's beautiful, man. Like you're doing a great thing. It's so much work, oh, and I really, thanks. really appreciate the effort, dude. I'm gonna check out all these books for sure. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank yeah, you. it's great, man. So appreciate that. What's the best way for people to connect with you one on one? How do they reach you? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm um, probably jump on Facebook. Um, we've got Optimizing Nutrition, which is a uh, the nerdy argumentative group which is really fun um we've also got a, a healthy low carbon keto recipes group where we just said hey we're going to show people what good nutrition looks like so there's a stream of really great recipes in that um got an insta page and they can look up optimizing nutrition or nutrient optimizer there's free food lists and um yeah and we'll keep you in touch with your email there of anything that's happening in the in the near future which we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Beautiful. That's great, man. Yeah. And I'll link to everything in the show notes and everything. So for everybody listening, I'll make sure you can get in touch with Marty and man, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for your work and keep it up. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I really respect what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for catching on. Yes, sir. Cheers, Justin. Thanks, man. Oh, I got a good day.